Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Eh. All right, well, it's a different voice every hour. Just keep keep listening. You never know who's going to talk. How's seventh grade going? It's great. <laughs> Balls just dropped yesterday. I'm feeling awesome. It's awesome. Honestly, I, I don't know, from, like, even day to day how this is going to sound, but hey. I'll take this. You're present. Yeah, whatever. Good balls. Stephen St. John. Stephen. Uh, yeah, the D voice is going. Stephen St. John, Nate Bucati, Jacob Terrez, and Mark Bowrichter on this Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Mark, good morning. How are you? Doing all right. How are you guys this morning? Outside of your voice, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. I'm here. I'm good. I'm happy. No shortage of news stories in the last week, huh? There's a lot going on. Sports Let me wise. tell you, I'm, I'm still I'm trying. Sports. I'm trying to dive into basketball. Uh, but my first roadblock is the fact that uh, Mizzou refuses to win a conference game, so that uh, that holds holds my enthusiasm back a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but last night helped. I thought. Uh, Hey, look, anytime you get on Big Monday, two top six teams in the uh, in the nation battling for first place in the Big 12, that was pretty damn good. And, I mean, look, it's crazy that it didn't involve Kansas, right? Yeah, I, like, yeah like, that's like, true. Like, if I'd have told you, hey, in February there's going to be a showdown of two top six teams in the nation, both in the Big 12, battling for first place, the, the and who's it going to be? The answer would be Kansas and who? Instead, it's Houston and Iowa State, which just again leads me to believe we are going to see uh, one of the wildest Big Twelve tournaments ever. And there's newness to it because there's new teams, and like Houston, Houston is not here to mess around. They are here to win this freaking conference. So, uh, and I do like, even though he was the. Uh, he was the author of a few heartbreaks for uh, for me as a Mizzou fan. Kelvin Sampson is, is just a badass coach. He is. And I enjoy watching their brand of basketball. And you know what? Osselberger, too, with Iowa State. How could you complain about what he's done? That was uh, that was a hell of a showdown last night. Did you guys see Won the, by Houston. Did you guys see the clip of uh, Kelvin Sampson talking about Jamal Shedd after the game? It was one of those moments where it was, he's like, look, this guy stands for everything that our program is. He's got a great family. He's going to graduate with a 3.84 GPA. Uh, he went. It was one of those things where you, when you listen to a coach, it was like the moment we saw Big Red laying on top of Chris Jones. And, like, this guy actually, he loves his guys. Yeah. He loves his guys. He's, he's, he's not just a mean old coach. And Kelvin Sampson is a tough coach, right? Like, his teams always play hard. They're always physical, tough. And you might think he's – that's just what he is. When you hear answers like that, to me, that's the part I love is when you can sell, tell the connection that – because he wasn't just talking about him as a basketball player. He was talking about him as a human being and, and yeah. why he loved him so much, what he stood for. Yeah. That, to me, stands out about why I like him. Makes sense. You know? He loves him so much, he probably called him a few more times than he probably should have. 
<laughs> hey man, all that stuff's legal now. You know, it's yes. funny to think now what's legal in college basketball. Kelvin Sampson is thriving now with the with the environment. He got in trouble. Not for, that he wasn't before. <laughs> Some of them are minor things. Don't get me wrong. And he and was literally he got in trouble for sending too many text messages. Yeah. For us to say though that. <laughs> That college basketball was clean is a different story. I mean, yeah. But it just makes me laugh now because the stuff that's legal now compared to what he got in trouble for, it sounds – someday you're going to be telling people he – no, he got in all kinds of trouble because he sent too many text messages to a player. (laughs) Oh, we were – they used to care about that. Now it's like writing checks, you know. Anyway, he's a good coach. No, I'm looking forward to the uh, Big 12 basketball tournament here, though, a couple weeks. Women's women's tournaments here also week before right yeah. at T-Mobile Center too. So yep. You mentioned new teams coming in. Women's sure. getting a little more love because of everything that Caitlin Clark's doing, which is good. And I'm just going to be honest with you. This is this is this is absolutely positively the truth. I'm more excited to watch Caitlin Clark in Iowa in the women's NCAA tournament than I am to watch any team in the men's tournament. I get that. I, I watched. Because we, when we, that, that game where she broke the record, mm. me and my buddy, you know, Anthony, Anthony, were watching it. And we were just laughing. And I, 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 sure, she takes a lot of shots or whatever. Like, the, she kept pulling up at the logo. And making it, and, and, I had, right? I had to laugh at she in her press conference afterwards. She was like, "You didn't think I wasn't going to shoot it from the logo <laughs> to, to break the record?" Right? And she's like, playing Michigan, yeah. and she scored. Uh, it was like forty nine points and fourteen assists, and she shot fifty percent from three. It was like nine of eighteen, and above fifty percent from the field, which is insane considering the level of difficulty of some of her shots, right? But then. Ah, fourteen assists. You know, it, it just, she's an all-around. It's not just about the scoring. It's, right. she's an all-around. I mean, I mean they, it was, it they, was, they win. Yeah, they win. I mean, but like, it was they great, win at a high level. It was great watching throughout the NCAA, NCAA tournament last year. Yep. You know, and they're they're going to be a one seed to see if they can do what they didn't do last year and, and win the whole thing. And look, trust me, I'll I'll love watching the NCAA tournament, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Of course, I do. But I mean, I can't I can't wait to watch all of her games and watch them with my daughters and just, as, you know, because there's a chance you're going to see something you haven't seen. So you talk about how many shots she's taking. I just read a, a piece that Mike, I wanted to talk to Mike about it, but we ran out of time today. He wrote a piece about, you know how good Caitlin Clark is now? She's getting hate from other people, other peers of hers. That's when you know you've you know, Don Staley's yes. taking swipes at her. Kim Mulkey's taking swipes at her. Cheryl Swoops is taking swipes at her, which I think is just, it's like, by the way, Aren't you all invested in trying to grow the women's game? Why are you tearing down somebody that's helping you do that? What is she doing for the women's game as far as ticket sales whenever she plays, selling jerseys, you know, hey, getting getting people that normally wouldn't watch women's basketball to watch and get locked in, whether you're watching with your daughter or whoever else. It's it's ama- it's amazing. But that's when you know you've it's really amazing. made it and you're great. Like Patrick Mahomes is getting hate now. You know, people do, people what? root against him because he's so great. That's how great Caitlin Clark is. Some of the greats are actually taking swipes at her because they're haters. Um, that whole, Kim Mulkey said, well, we don't have anybody taking 40 shots a game on our team. Well, by the way, she's taking 22 shots a game. And also, that implies that she's just a chucker. 
She's shooting 48% from the floor. She's shooting... 40% from three. Yeah, for those that don't know basketball, <laughs> like, think that should be higher, those, that's, those are ridiculous numbers. For somebody that just shoots like 10 times a game, yes, those are good yes. numbers. That is, she is not shooting too much. <laughs> like, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. I, I'm with you, man, and, and watching her go up, and she's got some good players on her team, but she doesn't have the same supporting cast that other, the, some of the other great teams. To watch her lead that team, Against these other great teams to see if they can win is amazing. The other argument is uh, who, who was it that made it? Uh, Jay Williams. And I just I just love the way that argument was destroyed by so many people. But what did he say? Well, you know what? You know, she, I can't consider her a great player until she wins a championship. And the the the, the first person that I thought of, and everyone ran and attacked. Also, Larry Bird wasn't a great college player, right? Because right. he lost in the national championship game. To Magic Johnson, he, 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 he at Indiana he, State. He took Indiana State to the national championship game, lost to Magic Johnson, Michigan State. So he wasn't a great player. I'm sorry, Jay Will sucks. Right, but I mean, I'm just telling you, Larry, like Larry Bird, does that? Do you consider him one of the greatest college players ever? Easily, easily, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But so, so that just like with just one one name <laughs> right. destroyed that yeah. argument. Yeah. And then you think about how many great college players didn't win a championship. So they all it was how just, many you know, honestly look at this. How many great college players never actually make it in the professional ranks? A lot. I guess the definition is of what you define as great. But Paul Pierce wasn't great. First team All American and all that, but he wasn't second leading scorer in Celtics history. But he wasn't great in college because he didn't win, at, win a title. I think I looked. Yeah, I mean, it's just Chris, like, remember Chris Jackson, LSU. Yeah, how great he was in college. I mean, there was just, uh, just so many. But Larry, but Larry Bird, just, Neil, Neil. yeah, Neil but, but Larry Bird was the perfect example, yeah. right? Yes, because yes. you know, because he actually like performed <clears throat> at an elite level at the college in the college right. game and, yeah. and, and took a team. Yeah. The, you know, he he was the team. Of course, yes, he had some players around him, but, you know, Larry Bird dragged Indiana State to the championship game. That's you know. a silly, it's a silly comment. Yes. I mean, yes. Kevin Durant, now nah, he sucked in college. I mean, he played one year and, you know, <laughs> might have been one of the best college right. basketball players I've ever seen, with, you know, in my in person. She's the, the leading scorer all-time D1. The, the, yes. the phrase, uh, the fr- I heard the phrase, uh, the wind is harshest at the top of the mountain. You know, and that's that's why she's catching all this because she's up there now. She's she's drawing so much more attention. There are other players in college basketball putting up numbers yeah. that that are pretty remarkable, and those players aren't getting the hate that Caitlin Clark is because they're not getting the love she is. Okay, you know? so this is a nice transition because you you referenced Patrick Mahomes. And let me tell you something, Mark Bowridge. I, I I know you suffer through this sometimes. You see things on Twitter or on X that are so effing stupid. It's very <laughs> difficult. No, it's so difficult not to respond. Who, this guy? It's so <laughs> difficult not to respond. And, you know, and I know you respond sometimes. So you respond probably to ten percent of the for the yeah yeah for sure idiotic crap that we see. And I, I just I have been so. I've loved it to see all of these this mental gymnastics and the moving of the targets now that Mahomes and the Chiefs won back to back, and now like like there's this campaign now that's uh, have you seen his how his uh, uh, you know average 
target depth. Oh, I, 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 know it's on your, where, going, I know where you're going with this. It's going down now. Yeah. He just, you know. and, then, and, then, and then people like Seth Kaiser and others are pointing out, yeah, it shows now how he's developed and matured as a quarterback. He can win when he's a gunslinger and he's still in the downfield. And now he can win when you take that away from him and he doesn't have a Tyree kill and he has to manage the game. Until he doesn't, until he, you know, he, he'll manage the game until he cuts your heart out in the overtime or fourth quarter. It's shown that he can he can do anything. Yeah, he could be any type of quarterback with any offense. Okay, give him some game breakers, a wide receiver. Let's see him throw the ball deep to Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins. He can do that. Okay, take away those game breakers, a wide receiver, and he can do it this way, and he can do it that way. He can do it anyway. It's, They're looking at it the wrong way. It's it's. The people that are making trying to make those arguments to me don't even understand football. Well, they're just searching for anything. Yeah, they don't understand football. And, and the reason I say that is number one, deep throws are for the most part are not high percentage throws anyway, right? Like there's too many variables that come into play. Second of all, with that, it is more a reflection on adjusting your game and whether you want to call it maturing as a quarterback or not, but it's it's adjusting your game to doing what you have to do to win the game, right? Like, and I think too, like the 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 moniker of game managers for quarterbacks took on a kind of a negative connotation to a lot of quarterbacks when the reality is they're, they're good quarterbacks, and even your best quarterbacks are game managers. They just have an elite level to go make an actual play and a throw when they need to. Right? Because, like that's yeah. the difference. That's the difference. And so, like I look at this too. Like let me just make. I don't know if this comparison was made, but I'll make it here make as it. we're talking about this in terms of touchdown catches. Okay, Tyreek Hill is the most explosive wide receiver in the National Football League. I don't think there's any debate in this room about that. Right on no. things. Right now, he is, and he has been for several years. You go back to the Patriots when Tom Brady had Randy Moss. He was throwing the ball 50 yards down the field, right? Throwing it up on Randy'd run in double coverage, throw his hand up in the air and just keep running, and Tom would just throw it up to him. Yep. Not a high percentage throw, but Randy Moss was fast as all get out, right? Tom threw it where Randy could go get it. What happens after Randy Moss leaves? He didn't have a game breaker like that. He's dinking and dunking it all the way down the field and still won a few more Super Bowls. Like, it's a justy. That's why I say those people don't know football. And this is this is not a necessarily knock on those folks because I believe people should be able to make a living and doing what they want to do, right? And your passion should come out in doing that. But there are a lot of folks out there that have taken the analytics side of things or looking at statistics on that and saying, Okay, this is the this is the piece of truth, right? Or I'm gonna form I'm gonna use this to formulate an argument as to why Patrick Mahomes isn't as good as he is. <laughs> like, to me, like I saw another list the other day with with ranking quarterbacks, okay? And Lamar Jackson was number one. Stop it. Just stop. I'm, I'll tell you this. If, that's, if you're looking at regular season from this year and you're just looking at stats and Lamar Jackson won the MVP of the league, if you're looking at the regular season, then go ahead and put it up there. But if you're actually looking at the overall quarterback itself, who that person is, what they've accomplished, where they're at on things right now, Mahomes is number one. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 
And that's not a homerish take. That's just it's observation of somebody who knows football. It's it's not even it's not even a close it's not even a debate. It's it's not it's it's nothing. It's Patrick Mahomes and there's now tell me who's second. There's there's no that is a debate. That's a hard one. There's no there's there's nothing to it. Patrick Mahomes now the only debate is is he the best we've ever seen? That's the only debate. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. He's one of the best I've ever seen in person, okay, on stuff. I will also tell you this. I think that is still to be written, right? There's a long way to go yet in that discussion. But there is no argument that he's accomplished more at this age, whether it's statistics only, okay, touchdowns, yardage, whatever. You can make the argument, okay, the game has changed and some of these other guys play. I get it. But nobody's accomplished more than he has at this age. Nobody from a from an individual statistic standpoint and from a team winning standpoint. Yes. Both. Yes. And so that's under that's not the only thing that he has left to prove is how long can he do it. Yep. And and, and that does matter because Tom Brady took impeccable care of himself. Right. Like he he, he went, what do you go eight ten years in between Super Bowl championships? Eight, ten. Eight, yeah. And just kept going ten. and kept going and taking care of himself and 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 kept himself as healthy and young and fit as he possibly could and never lost the fire. Yep. That's another thing because sometimes the pressure, the stress, all of that it takes wears people out after a while. Michael Jordan walked away from the game for a couple of years. Now mm-hmm. there might have been other reasons for that, but you know he walked away from the game for a couple of years. You know, so that's the only thing left he has to prove. My old man always said, you know, figures never lie, but liars always figure. You can get numbers to tell you whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I do think is dangerous about the groupthink that goes into analytics sometimes and when people try to take numbers. Because to me, one of the things that he did have to prove left to show that he could be like Tom Brady in this regard is, is he willing to is he willing to go win the game any way, by any means necessary? Right. It, it, win the game ugly. Remember, you know, be conservative. Don't turn the ball over. Don't put it all on your shoulder and run around and fire it down the field, which is a weird thing to say. But Tom Brady showed he was willing to do that from time to yeah. time. And, and and Patrick Mahomes proved this year well, that he absolutely is willing the to greatest, do that. What were the things? Six-year stretch of any quarterback. Not even close. Not even close. Yeah. You look at early on in his career. Right, first couple years. I mean, everybody knows about Troy Aikman's tweet, right? About that. There was but, somebody over here that, that yeah. had some fun with that. But, on but you know, like there were other people <laughs> out there. There were other football people out there that were like, "Well, he's got a lot of weapons around him." And Travis Kelsey, right? They put a lot of weapons. Well, yeah, Aikman around him. was just all bereft these, of talent, wasn't he? All these things, yeah. Like they put all this. So, but you look at it, and you look at this year, and, and I've said this um, on here and on the pregame show, and you guys know this. One of the great things about Patrick Mahomes is that he's greedy. Okay, And when I say greedy, when he's on the football field, believing he can make every single throw, fitting it into a tight window, being aggressive. But it's also his biggest weakness. Because up until this year, we've seen him continue to try to push the ball down the field and try to force some things and maybe make a decision. And really, he's adjusted the way he plays. Right? He can You know the best quarterbacks... And the greatest at some point know when they can take shots and when they can't. And the other portion of this is like I just he's he's just so stinking good, man. Like there's no, there are a lot of really talented quarterbacks in the National Football League. There's some talented quarterbacks in college coming out, all those type of things. But right now there is nobody better than him. Yeah, the the, the best the best the go to play 
the best usage of Troy Aikman's arm was him handing the ball to Emmett Smith. <laughs> That's where he really excelled. Go look at his numbers. They'll make you vomit yep. if anyone ever tries to compare Troy Aikman to Patrick Mahomes. What do you think Patrick Mahomes would have done behind that offensive line with that running back, throwing to Michael Irvin and Alvin Harper and Jay Novacek? I mean, it's... Uh, yeah. So, the other thing I wanted to say about Mahomes, and like you guys said, he could... He, However he needs to beat you, that's what he could do. He could do it all. But the thing that continues to get overlooked, tell me, just just tell me, who has ever been better in the postseason at quarterback at running the football, especially in big moments? Right. He, 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 he breaks your back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bad yeah. ankle. Okay, bad, bad ankle. The run in the AFC Championship game against the Cincinnati Bengals to set up the game-winning uh, field goal. Right? Bad ankle. The big run against the Eagles to set up the game-winning field goal. The, the, the couple of runs that he had on that final drive in overtime to win the championship against the 49ers. You think about the, the run against the Titans of his AFC greatest team. run, his greatest play that I've ever seen him make was the run in the AFC championship game against the Titans, mm-hmm. where the Titans knew, the Chiefs knew, the fans knew, everyone knew, well, Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Wait, it's halftime. No, game's over. Mm-hmm. Superman has his cape. The game's over. All right? And so he, he also shattered his helmet running the ball against the Anything against anyone mm-hmm. in the postseason. All right, the the regular season is just a slow build up to what he's going to do to win a championship, and so I want to play this clip. We're talking well, about the, being this, the villains, you even, right? You didn't even mention this though, but also in regards to his legs and everything else, and I know you guys talked about this a week ago. The stat where he is perfect in the postseason with under two minutes to play and his team down seven or points or less and yeah. come back and wins, perfect. And then how much of that is his legs? When you've got everything covered, you've got everything right, diagnosed defensively, but then he runs and he breaks your back. So uh, Charles Amenehu was on uh, was on Jim Rome, right? And so the topic, because all the Chiefs are leaning into this, it is what it is. They're winning so much that now they're the villains. Here's uh, Amenehu on the Chiefs embracing the villain status and going for a three-peat? I think it's, I think it's just going to be even more. I mean, people are going to just hate the Chiefs even more and get to the point where it's like, I think people get to the point where they're trying to see my win. And that's a good thing. I was, I want to be that team that people are tired of seeing win, just like that, uh, that time when the Patriots had their long run and people were just like tired of seeing the Patriots being in the championship game or being in the Super Bowl, whatever the case may be. We're not going to get tired of it because I mean, we're winning. Um, it just just got to bring your A game every week, and I mean, you'll be you'll be uh, you'll be you'll be you'll be in the wrong if you're not doing that regardless. So that's just what it's going to be. Hey, Charles, one last thought. Like Patrick Mahomes said, and that's not only is that an all-time player, that's an all-time good dude. But he made the point that quote, "Hey, man, if you need me to be the villain, I can do that. I can do that." Is that kind of effectively how you guys all feel? Like. If you need us to be the villain, man, fine. We're good with that. We'll we'll be your villain. We're here for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's if that's what people want to call it, they can call it that. Uh, I just think people don't like the fact that we just get it done. No matter the circumstances, no matter personnel, no matter what anybody says, we get it done. We have guys who are resilient. We have guys who care. We have guys who love football. 
uh, we had guys who love winning. You know, guys who are have that killer instinct, man. You gotta have that to uh, to make these kind of runs and to go against teams that are like literally gunning for you every week. And part of being a villain is having the opportunity to go on the road in the postseason and gut a franchise. <laughs> and we we had it done to us plenty of times by the best of the best, right? By Peyton Manning, right? By Tom Brady. We know what that's like. And that was one chapter that had not been written. But going to Buffalo as the villain with all those people against you and winning that game, going to Baltimore as the villain, and not only everyone there rooting against you, but everyone across the NFL rooting, oh, please, save us from the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl game. No, no one can save you. No one can save you from Mahomes. And now it's time for a three-peat, and no one's going to save you from that either. All right, so just get ready for it. He has a, they have a chance to do something no team has done in the Super Bowl era. And if you don't think that already has them motivated and pissed off, good luck. We'll take a break. Back after this on WHB. Welcome back to the show. And so I know that the that, that, hey, coaches are tasked with really an uh, impossible job if you're in the AFC West of, of, of trying to convince your team and your fans that you can win the division. It's just, you know. Right. So you have to say things and do things. Um, that that are nonsensical, but my God, has there been a team in recent years that are re- that, that celebrate regular season wins more than the Raiders? Well, that's all they got to celebrate. I mean, this they they did a victory lap out of Arrowhead. Now I'm reading this article that uh, they they did you know they they. Lit up celebratory cigars in the locker room following the Christmas Day win. Uh, you know and, what? Though I, I don't. I, here, here's the thing. I'll say this about the Christmas have. Day thing. Okay, the best thing that happened uh, all year. You you weren't. Here's the thing. I'll say this about the Christmas Day one on the celebration. If you're the Raiders, okay. That performance that they had here at Arrowhead, I think they thought that buried the Chiefs. Not that they weren't going to go to the playoffs, right, or be in the playoffs yeah. or anything else. They th- I think they thought that was the we had the uh, we we just came in here and spoiled everything. And so did the Broncos earlier. Yeah, in their- yeah but I'm saying so, like, so like they, that's nothing like spiking the football when you're on your way into the end zone and you're still at the twenty yard line. But but <laughs> so like but, nothing so, like celebrating a goal down four nothing. Right, and, and so four one at that point. And and now and and now, Pierce says that we have the recipe on on how to beat the Chiefs, which apparently includes you know two defensive touchdowns. So you have to depend on that. Yep. To win the game, okay. It's it's just mind blowing that these teams are so willing. You have seen the Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. They do. Take these things that you say and use them against you in a court of law. <laughs> they, they do. Michael Jordan did it. We're talking about it. Just a handful of the greats. Tom Brady did it, and now they do it. And these teams are so willing to cooperate already in February, giving the Chiefs bulletin board material. Oh, they have now they have the recipe. Okay, great. Here's Antonio Pierce and Max Crosby on some podcast talking about the Chiefs this week. 
This dude's going to be the greatest Raider of all time. I put my job on the line for this dude to play. We are the number one show in Vegas. It ain't Usher. Man, we got to knock off the team over here. We got we to gotta knock off the head of the snake. 15. Hate the color red. Like, we, we saw red, we hate red. And I told him there's a difference between dislike and hatred. There's a hatred for the Chiefs. And you know what's coming. And we sat there on the sideline, we were celebrating watching this shit. As we take two knees. Uh, I'm not apologizing. We don't apologize for how we play. By the time the fourth quarter hits, you get the wave of, of Kush going through the whole <laughs> the whole the whole stadium and you I'm like looking around and all the guys are like, Welcome to Oakland. Okay, so also in the same article, um Antonio Pierce and Max Crosby talked about how they were barred from visiting their own facility because the Chiefs were using it to prepare for the Super Bowl. (laughs) Pierce said, it was tough because we couldn't go in our own building. We were locked out. Crosby added, the NFL rules everything. Yeah. Because the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl in your crib and using, sleeping in your bed. Okay. It would have been the same. It would have been the same thing if the 49ers were technically the right. home team of the Super Bowl. It had the exact same. Scenario. But it's, it's still funny. No, I know that they're bitching about this. NFL rules everything. Pierce said, yeah. "This is the head coach. This is this is the players. The head coach saying this. We'll run it back. We'll see him again. Oh, really? You play him twice a year. You figured that out. We already we we've already given a recipe on how to beat them." These guys know what it's like to go do it on a day where we're the first show on that day. Probably 10 o'clock in Las Vegas, 12 o'clock their time. Everyone was watching the Raiders versus the Chiefs. And now they know this is our time. <laughs> hey, he's right. They do have the recipe. I think if they get two defensive touchdowns yeah, against the is. Chiefs, yeah. again, that's, they got a good chance to win. There's your recipe. They can do it. It's just amazing. Because you know this is going to come up. You don't think Mahomes hears it all. Oh, he's got rabbit ears. He's already heard this. Yeah. You don't think that's going to come up? Oh, yeah. That's going in the file. I mean, maybe, maybe the team that just won back-to-back championships, just step back. Who's just... going to be the quarterback for the Raiders when that happens? I don't know. That poor guy. <laughs> he might he not knows. be on the team right now. He's like, wait, I got to wait. What a- do we say? Aiden O'Connell was the guy late last year. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be there. Yeah, wait, he and he's not going to be anywhere else for another two he weeks after that. He didn't complete a pass in the last three quarters? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That's I a mean, recipe. Yes. Six, six offensive points. There you go. So. But whoever that poor, I just, poor quarterback is going to go, wait, wait, what What did everybody say about these guys? The, the clock's ticking. Gotta, right? The clock's ticking to the next time they try to hire they, another coach. They have the recipe to finish last in the AFC West. Again. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, first place and second place is spoken for <laughs> with the Chiefs and I think now with Harbaugh with the Chargers. Yeah. So they can arm wrestle the Broncos for third place. Because I, 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 I don't know who the quarterback is for either one of those teams. It's like, I mean, am I wrong there? I mean, no, like, you're not wrong. I think you, you're, you're looking at Justin Herbert and from a quarterback perspective. I know where you're going with this on the quarterback side of things. And, and, and Harbaugh coach, coming in. Yeah, yeah and Harbaugh coming in. It's, I, I look uh, at the Raider thing here with, with Antonio Pierce and, and just look at it because it, it's, a, it's a new coach, right, who obviously had the interim tag. And and is trying to quote inspire the fans a little bit, and and you know, there's this hasn't been the case for a long time. 
But the Raiders-Chiefs history and rivalry goes way, 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 way back, right? To the very beginning. And Antonio Pierce is a guy who grew up a Raiders fan. He knows the history and the hatred that used to be between the – I say used to be because it hasn't been as competitive, right? Mm -hmm. Used to be um, between these two organizations. So I say that because – He's trying to restore that rivalry a little bit, right? Make it more competitive, number one. But then also, he, he said it. You got to cut the head off the snake, right? Like, when you're on top, everybody's coming after you. And we all sit here and go, okay, until somebody proves a, <laughs> proves it differently and knocks off the Chiefs. But that's that's exactly where we're at. And, and when you're on top, and now you've won back-to-back, and you've won three Super Bowls in five years and four Super Bowl appearances and – all these AFC championship games, like, you do become the villain, as we were talking about before. Like, you you, get, you become the villain. It happens. Off the head of the snake, the rest of the thing. It wiggles for a while, but it'll die. That's the same. But, but this is the, it's it's more than a game. you gotta, you well, got to win the division. It's more just more than a game, but that that's 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 how rivalries work. That's all you. That's all you got when you're. Well, that is all they have. That's the yeah. thing right now. And that's you all got, you get. get. And you know yeah. what though? You can say you have the recipe, and we can sit here and go, "Yeah, it was two t- two defensive yeah. scores and everything else." Like, yes, but you have to instill some sort of quote hope, right, or or confidence in there your guys moving forward. Look, we we've seen it with. College rivalries around here, where one school's obsessed with the other school, and the other school's kind of like, "Yeah, it's a good rivalry, but we're our, our attention's on other." You're referencing. <laughs> well, there's there's a fan there's a fan base that chants FKU, and they're not even in the same league with them anymore, right? right? Sure. And KU's like, "Yeah, we're going to try to win national championships." You know, it's a rivalry. We care about it, but that's where the Chiefs are now. The Chiefs are like, "Yeah, we're we're winning Super Bowls. We don't like the Raiders. We want to beat the Raiders. But if we lose a regular season game to the Raiders, that's frustrating." But we're going to go win the Super Bowl. It's more we got we got bigger fish to fry than you. Yes, yes. When you're the Raiders and you got nothing else, oh, we beat the Chiefs. Hey, we beat the Chiefs. We hate those Chiefs. You know that's what that's what they got. It's, that's it's all almost, they got. You know what it is. You know what it is to me a little bit is it's almost it's almost the college mentality a little bit, right? In terms of a college coach recruiting kids and going, you know, we were six and six last year, but we went to the, we went and you know. We won the Tax Slayer Bowl this year, right? Like, we're on the rise. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, the belief is you're on the rise. That, that's that's kind of what it reminds me of. Okay, well, you know, you know, I, I'll say this. Like, I got here in 2002, right? Coach Vermeule got here in 2001. They were 6-10 and 10 the year before I got here. Um, you know, I remember sitting in meetings when I first got here and them talking and showing plays from the offensive side of things from the year, the year before – where, you know, Snoop Minnis caught a touchdown pass on, on one of the Woodsons, right? That's right. And, and it was great. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm. But, like, we're highlighting, like, and those are highlights, but it's instilling confidence in people, right? Like, it, it's 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 trying to let people see your vision of yeah. where you want to go. And if you don't talk about that, it will never happen. And I do think, though, that there is too much. Again, I have no problem with them lighting up cigars, right? Because they probably thought they killed the snake. They probably did, but they didn't. And that's the that's the part. And we sit here and go, when are people going to learn about that? They got to figure out a way to do it. And if you got to talk to do it, if you got to do all these things to try to get yourself there. And I'll also tell you this: like the Raiders have gone through 
and I'm not being apologetic and sympathetic toward him in, in a lot of ways here, but they've gone through a lot of coaching changes over the last couple of years, as we all know. Um, they went through that again this year. You know, Antonio Pierce brought some life into that team. He did. Um, you know, I can go back to when Todd Haley got fired here and Romeo Cordell took over, right? He wins the first game. And those guys, they weren't lighting cigars up, but they looked like they won the freaking AFC West championship game on one game because they rallied around him. You know what type of thing. Those are all things I think that, that happen. It's natural when you're a competitor. And, and, you know, I've said this before here. You never apologize. When the Chiefs weren't winning great, like pretty, it was like you never apologize for a win in the National Football League. It's hard to do. Like I remember in 2002, I think it was, we went on the road against the Jets and beat the Jets um, in the old Meadowlands. And I remember being on the team playing, coming home, and Joe Vitt, our linebackers coach, walking through. And it was early in the season still at that point, I believe. And I was still naive enough to know, like, it's, you know, just another road game type of thing. But he sat back, and he sat back with Scott Fujita and I and talked for a while after that game. He's like, you guys don't understand how hard a place this is to come in and play and win. And part of me was like, okay. He didn't really realize it, but you, you don't realize how hard it is to win on the road in the National Football League. And how hard it is to win until you're in it, and you see the level of competition. That's why they say every any given Sunday, any team can come up and beat you. It just that's the way it is. I feel like Vegas is different than Oakland. Yes, because <laughs> I mean their stadium half full with visiting fans every time. Yes, um, I do. I do think it's a little naive on on Pierce's part, though. And it's you see interim coaches come in and get everybody fired up, and and that's great. Give them your vision, you know, but. As you said, like everybody's been trying to find different ways to get at the Chiefs. No, no way has really worked. But I think what is clear is giving them bulletin board material is not the right approach. No, and I don't think I, I'll, I'll, say it to your team, I'll, not on the podcast. I'll, 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 but I also say this in regards to I, I'm in 100 percent agreeing with you, okay? Because and we've talked about this, and you you mentioned it, Stephen, just a minute. The greatest competitors, right? The greatest competitors find any little slight. Any little possible thing. You can go to Michael Jordan, the basketball side. You can go to Kobe. Like, any little slight to get them over the top. He just made the job easy, though. Yeah. And, and, and but part- I'll say this about Antonio Pierce where I'm going with this. It's also free agency season coming up, right? So, mm-hmm. like, you're also trying to possibly recruit, quote, recruit players to sign them to believe in your vision as well, <clears throat> believe in that confidence as well on that side of things. So I think there's a little bit of that gamesmanship unintentionally then giving bulletin board material and more motivation to the Chiefs is where I'm going with that. All right, we'll uh, take a break. Back into this on WHB. All right, so there, there's been, uh, at least now, a little bit of time since the Super Bowl, and pretty soon uh, we'll be getting ready for free agency talk, franchise talk, franchise tag talk. Today. Trade talk. The window's open. Today is NFL, NFL draft talk. And so let me take your temperature now okay. as we get ready to... Do I need to... Sure. Bend over. Okay. Um, like, how are we doing this? <laughs> rectal. That's the only accurate way to do it. You don't want to have those... Actual, well, you know, and I'm, the, the, the digital one on my forehead, no, please? No. This no, is... This is school, baby. Okay. Obviously, the, and maybe I'm speaking, but I think the, the dream scenario for most Chiefs fans would be to somehow figure out a way that they keep 
Chris Jones and Snead. And there's a lot of other. Willie Gay has already said repeatedly on Twitter that he's gone, so something tells me he's not coming back. Okay? Love, 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 love to have Drew Tranquil back. A lot of guys, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know, I think it's going to be hard for me to keep Mike Dana. There's a, there's a lot of players that are going to end up other places. But the the two big names are for, for obvious reasons are Snead and Jones. And, and there are ways they could go about it, you know, if they could somehow come to a deal with Chris Jones. They could they could franchise tag Snead. What they're not going to franchise tag Chris Jones because what that number is going to be thirty two million. That's not happening. And so right now, factoring in that this team has a chance to do something because we're talking legacy, we're talking how they'll be remembered. This this likely will be their own their only chance to win a third in a row. You know, mm-hmm. we like to think they're going to win all of them, but you, you, you're right. You <laughs> back may, to back's pretty sweet. This yeah, just, let's but, but, but yeah. I think yes. it, it, yes. it's there, there's a there's a great chance that they'll never get another opportunity to win three in a row. Right, and then you're on a list of one. You're on a list of one, and that's that. You know, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. If they get three peat. What's your gut tell you right now about those two superstar players? I I don't know if they can make it work with Chris Jones, right? Like I, well, Jerry Sneed actually isn't quite as young as everybody thinks he is either. Um, technically, on things, um, what's he about twenty eight? That's what yeah, he's a little bit older age wise than people realize. Um, I obviously would love to have both those guys back. Here's how I think they can do it, okay? Is you obviously have some things under the salary cap you've got to do. And you mentioned they're not going to franchise tag Chris Jones because that number's too high, okay? Sneed's 27, by the way. Okay. Jerry Sneed is a guy who, you know, I would certainly like to have back, and I think they will franchise tag him, okay? That's what I think. But it wouldn't surprise me if they let him just go out to the market. They're going to try to re-sign him, too, but they're going to let him go out to the market. Because they've got a nice young secondary, okay. You've you've also got another All Pro corner <laughs> that's on a rookie contract in in McDuffie. But the way they could do this, and the Chiefs have not done this in previous years, okay, is the Chiefs have not been one of those organizations that have put void years at the back end of guys' contracts for the most part, okay. That there is no intention that the player will ever actually play those years to amateurize out you can do it over five years a signing bonus piece right that lowers your cap number now the Chiefs actually had a void year in this year's deal with Chris Jones but they have not done that okay and so when I say that you're looking at some similar contracts around the league that have done that okay Odell Beckham Jr. this year with the with the uh with the Ravens right he had three void years just so they could give him a bonus to lower his cap number Kirk Cousins is in that spit. Well, what happens if that player doesn't – they're never going to play in those void years anyway, right? That's not actually – but all that does is it accelerates those years into the next year's cap on on the dead cap side of things. So I do believe there's a way that they could do a five-year contract with Chris Jones, okay? Essentially, it's a two- or three-year deal with void years on top of it that could lower the cap number for now you're going to have to pay 
that dead cap number in two to three years from now, okay, potentially. But that's the way that they could do it. Now, again, this Chiefs organization has not really typically been in a, in a spot where they do that kind of contract because they've been fiscally responsible with the salary cap. That's how the Saints over time, back in the Drew Brees era, have gotten in trouble because they did a bunch, I say in trouble, but are always up against the cap every single year because they did a bunch of these void-year contracts with multiple guys, not just one. So there is a way that they can do that. Um, when I look at the other free agents that are here, I think you'd love to see Mike Dana here. I don't know if that's going to happen, right? I think he's played himself into a nice contract somewhere else. And he deserves it. And he does. Um, I need Drew Tranquil. Drew Tranquil is the one that... Give him to me. Drew Tranquil is the one that obviously was a great signing this year for them. Was an integral part of this defense. I gots to have him. And if Willie Gay is going to walk out, Drew Tranquil's in a great spot because he played well all year long that other teams are going to want him. But he also knows what it's like to win now. Yeah. Right? I feel and, like, so like Willie Gay has announced five times he's not coming back. Yeah, so I think it's, and I think, I think Willie Gay is obviously going to test the market, and he's probably asking for more than what they're willing to pay him. And so guess what? Really he's like, going to get paid, too. Yeah, and that's great. And here's here's the... Here's the here's the challenge you have, okay? When you have gone to as many AFC Championship games and Super Bowls as we talked about and won three of the last five, like people are going to come look at your free agents in your roster and probably overpay for some of them, right? Probably overpay for what they are. And you also have to make tough decisions for what's in the best interest of your franchise longer term because you're planning on your lifetime quarterback being here for quite a while, right? Or for, for the lifetime of... of his career. And so do you make the calculated risk to go all back in for a, a th- your goal is to win a Super Bowl anyway, right? Let alone the three peat. That's where I'm going with this. So you gotta make some difficult decisions with that. You know, we'd all love to have all these guys back, but they're not gonna be. The guy I want to see back to is Nick Allegretti. He's been around for a while yeah. now. He was a free agent a year ago, signed back on a one year deal. He's a solid He's a solid – he can start for this team, okay? He's not the greatest, but he, he's a solid swing guy that can play center and guard for you on his depth side of things. McCall Hartman's a free agent. Mike Edwards is a free agent. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that, that's going to happen. I love Mike Edwards. And also, one thing, remember this. Jake, you weren't here. You had your head somewhere. I don't know where it was. But in training camp, when I was up there, the cornerback – that they were most excited about up there, that Spags was raving about, was the former seventh round pick Nezzy Johnson, mm-hmm. and then he tore his ACL. Yeah, but they couldn't stop talking about him, and that it means something, especially when Spags. Spags isn't just going to throw stuff out there to see what sticks. If there's any place they got the most depth, it's their secondary. They raved about him. Have you seen the workout videos that have been put out there? He looks good. I mean, he's ready. He's going to be ready to roll. He looked good in that bear head. And so, well, <laughs> that's part awesome. of it. That's good. Yeah. But my point is, remember that, Nate? Yep. Like, yep. It, and when he got hurt, he got he tore It was a day that they, it was raining outside, and they had to go in indoor to the practice facility, and he tore his ACL. And the next day, you could just tell they were sick about it because he had looked so good in the offseason, and he was one of the guys. And I was ready to say, okay, here's one of my breakout names because enough people have mentioned him. So don't forget him, because this may you know it may be a year later, but they loved him in the off season, and he was going to be one of those guys that you know 
again, we talk about their ability to identify and develop corners. They were they were not shy about talking about him before he got hurt. How many mental reps did he get this season too? You know, that still matters. Learning the scheme. Well, yeah. So factor factor him in, mm-hmm. a good young ascending corner that they were raving about. Seems like they have a pretty good handle on when they like those guys. They seem like they turn out pretty well most of the time. We'll get into some draft talk in the next few weeks on stuff. Free agency, more free agency. Well, Today's the opening of the window for franchise tags, That's by the right. way. I got lots of names for you, the draft. All right, we're going to go through them all. They all played for Missouri. Yeah, most of them did. <laughs> There's some good fits there, I can tell you that. Man, oh, man. There are yeah. a couple good fits there. There, there, are. there are There are a couple. There are. There are a few. There's a Isaiah, couple. Isaiah Pacheco comes out of the game. Here comes in Cody Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> and Steven has exploded. <laughs> so then are you, you're, you're all on for Blaine Dabbert coming back, too, as the backup, then, aren't you? Why not? Oh you know? God. Brady Cook needs another year in school before he's ready. Come on, let's go. If I see, if I see Cody Schrader get handed a football in a Chiefs uniform, I will just spontaneously combust. <laughs> Steven, the vocal cords will explode. Steven is Steven, gone. Steven is now went. challenging the National Football League rule, yeah. too, so Lurthy Vernon can enter the draft right now. Steven now belongs to the galaxies. <laughs> That's Mark Borrick. You're back into this on WHB.